with me to the stage, Pastor Chris Songson. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sir. You the man, dude. Well, good morning. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? Good morning. Yeah, let's have some fun. Hey, I think church should be the funnest place to be all week long. You agree with me or not? Because we're serving Jesus. And he is the joy of our life. So it's awesome to be with you, man. And if you are a guest here today, welcome home. Your search is over. Uh, you've got yourself a phenomenal church, and let me tell you, in the year that I've known this man, I can tell you this, I know I travel a lot. We uh, not only have our own campuses, we actually have over 200 churches that we coach and help throughout the years, and uh, we meet a lot of pastors, but you are blessed here in this wonderful city to have this man as your pastor. Would you give him a big hand? Come on. Big, big, big hand. Yeah. And he mentioned my beautiful wife. She is Hispanic, and uh, oh, she's gorgeous. And, uh, and she don't speak any English, but that really helps us a lot because we can't really communicate. But uh, um, no, I'm just showing. But hey, it's great to be here. So we're excited to be here. And I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about Feed One at the end because I think today that God wants to do something in you and God wants to do something through you. Now, the through you part is the Feed One. Now, I'm not a missionary. I'm a pastor just like your pastor. I just believe when Jesus said, if you won't feed the least of these, it's as if you're denying me. And I'm not going to get to heaven and him go, well, hey, thanks for denying me. I'm like, no, Lord. Um, I don't want to do that, you know. I, I like it cool. I don't want it to be all hot, so I want to make sure he accepts me. Um, but, I, uh, uh, but, but, but I'm a pastor as well, and uh, uh, just like your pastor, but I do believe in feeding children. But I want to talk to you not only about what God wants to do through you, what we'll talk about in a moment, but I'd like to take the next few minutes to minister to you and let God do something uh, in you. And so also my wife and I are very excited because we are going down to see the groundhog on Tuesday. This is a big deal for us. I know it's no big deal for you, but we are so excited to see the little rat, and uh, uh, and I, we are. I mean, I'm a bucket list type of a guy. I am. I, I, I always have been, and I am. Like, I always said I was going to stand on the equator, and I've done most of this. Or I was going to stand on top of a pyramid. I was going to go and visit all the different continents, go to a certain amount of countries, see certain things, go down the Nile River. One of the things that I had on my bucket list many years ago, and I took it off the bucket list, was that I wanted to go skydiving. Anybody ever gone skydiving before in here? Yeah, there's a few of you. Okay, did you go, have you been a lot of times or just once? Just once. Did you, did you tandem or did you free fall? Uh, that's cute. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so, no, I'm just joking. So, I, uh, I free fall. In other words, I went and got the training and did it all by myself. So, I went and I signed up and I did the training all by myself. And uh, I went and it was a... Uh, um, it was, a, it was a, a, a room, like a classroom, where you get trained for like six hours. And it was like half the size of the stage. But I remember going to sign up for skydiving. I'd never done it before. I was scared to death. The only reason I followed through with it is because everybody at the church knew I was going to do it. Otherwise, I'd have chickened out for sure. But I went and I signed all the paperwork, did all this stuff. Then I went and I sat in the little classroom. There's only like three of us that were going to jump that day. And they trained for like six hours. And I raised my hand. I'll never forget it. I raised my hand and, and I said, hey, I said, I noticed that you guys don't guarantee anything. And the instructor goes, nope, we don't guarantee nothing. Because he had to sign all his paperwork, like 20 pages. And I said, you don't guarantee the, the plane? He said, no. And I said, you don't guarantee the, the flight? And the, nope. I said, you don't guarantee the instructions and the training? He said, no. 
I said, you don't guarantee the landing? He goes, oh, no, we guarantee you'll land. One way or another, dude, you will hit the ground. So I'm like, all right. And then, and then the other best part was this. He had this piece of paper, and it had these little, little boxes, and inside them were hand signals, like your hands are too far apart, your legs are too far apart. And so when you jump out, and then there's like, they have these jump masters, they're like 30 yards away from you, they give you these little hand signals to make sure you don't spin out of control. There's like 21 different hand signals on there. I'll never forget it. And I raised my hand in the class. I said, are these important? And the guy goes, oh, dude, it's, it's a matter of life and death, man. I'm like, okay. And I go, now, how am I going to memorize all of these hand signals when I'm headed towards the ground I know I'm not going to miss? And this is what he tells me. He goes, oh, don't worry. You can take the paper with you. I'm like, well, how's that going to help? <laughs> I got it. You know, just what are you going to do? So the time comes, you know, I'm a couple hours away from skydiving. My wife. She, calls, she says, okay, when you get close to skydiving, call me because it was like 45 minutes from our house. Call me, I'll come on down there. My kids were all psyched. They were much smaller at that time. Uh, my kids were all psyched, and my son's like, uh, uh, he's like nine years old at the time. My daughter's 10 years old at the time, and we were going to go see, we were going to go to Chuck E. Cheese that night, and we were going to go see Wizard of Oz the play at a community theater. My daughter was all Dorothy'd out. She was all excited. My son was excited to go to Chuck E. Cheese, so I called my wife, and I said, hey, they say I'm going to jump in like 90 minutes. You better come on down. So, man, my son's like, it's pizza time, you know. And my daughter's all, it's Wizard of Oz time. And my wife, she's got the insurance policy. It's money time. Um, everybody's excited. So they come on down, you know, and, and then it takes a while. They keep delaying it for like 20 minutes because there's some air problem, you know, wind blowing up there or whatever. And I'm standing there all done up, got the goggles. I'm just standing like this, ready to die. And I'm in front of my son. My daughter's right here and my wife's right here. And in front of my son. I'll never forget it. In front of my son, he looks at me. He's just he's a very emotional kid. And my son says, Daddy, I don't want you to, I don't want you to die. And I go, well, don't worry, son. God will take care of me. But in my mind, I was thinking, will he? Or is he up there going, you're the dummy? You know, I'm not sure. But I overhear, this is the honest God truth. Don't you love when a pastor tells you that? I love when a pastor, can I be honest with you? I'm always thinking, what have you been doing up to this point? But, um, but the, my daughter says to my wife, this is the honest to God truth. My daughter says to my wife, now, and she doesn't know I hear this. My daughter says, now, if daddy dies, we're still going to go see the wizard, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Love in the family, you know. Um, so, man, I get on the plane, you know, and the two other people jump. I'm the last one to jump. I got my jump masters there, and, and I stand there, and I'm about 13, 12, 13,000 feet in the air. I got a handle here, a handle there. I got both, you know, and I'm looking down. I'm like, oh, you know, and there's two guys there that are going to jump me, jump masters, give me the hand signals, and my jump masters were names Yo-Yo and Ed. My life was in the hand of a Yo-Yo and an Ed, and so I'm standing there, you know, I'll never forget, and, and they're, they're all 30 seconds to jump, you know, and I remember feeling my heart beat. And it was just, bah, 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 bah. I was so nervous, you know. But the people at the church knew I was going to jump. And I didn't want to be like, you know, a little whiny guy and, and chicken out. But you know how the Bible says pride comes before fall? It was about to happen. And so I'm standing up there, you know, and, and 30 seconds to jump. And I look at the, the yo-yo. I go, yo-yo, I just want you to know I'm really scared. You know what he says to me? He says, don't worry, me and Ed will be just fine. I'm like. What's that got to do with anything? I could care less about you and Ed. So I jump, and I go through the air, and I open the cord, and man, it was just an amazing, amazing experience. Now, I fly a lot. 
I fly a lot, and I flew a lot then, I fly a lot now, and I got to tell you, in all the flights I've ever been on, if I sit on the window seat, there's an eight-inch window that I get to look through, and I get to watch the earth from an eight-inch window. But on that day, I got to watch the earth from a total different window. It widened up so much. Now, here's the reason I tell you that. Because I believe for the next few minutes that God wants to do something inside of you. That God wants to take the eight-inch window that you've been looking through, and he wants to expand that window. Because there is a God in heaven who is insanely in love with you and has a radical plan for your life. And he is a God that has dreams that he has put inside of you. But for most of us, we have let those dreams become dead and dormant inside of us. There are inside this room, I know without a doubt, there are inside this room, there are a bunch of you that keep saying you're going to write a book and you've never done it. There are some of you in here that keep saying, I'm going to start a business someday, and you've never done it. You've all, some of you have had this idea that I, could, I bet I could do that. I bet I could be that. I bet I could, I could be that kind. I bet I could have that kind of impact. I bet God could do that thing in my life, and then we just kind of let that die. You see, here's the problem. When you're, growing, when you're growing up and you look at a little kid, like six, seven years old, what do you say to them? What do you want to be when you what? Grow up. Okay, what, what happens is they grow up and all of a sudden their dreams like ours turn into routines. And it was never meant to be that way. There's many of us here that have been born with a shout, but the problem is we're going to end up with a whisper. And we're never meant to do that, people. God has designed you. He knows you. The number, your hairs on your head are numbered. For some of us, that's a high count for God. For some of us, it's a little easier. Like four or five, that's it. Um, But God knows you and loves you. And he has a plan for your life. Now, there's a guy in the Bible named Peter. He's one of my favorite disciples. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. There's 12 of them. And he was a follower of Jesus. And uh, the thing I like about Peter, he's always messing up, but God always takes care of him. And Peter... Um, if you know anything about Jewish history, maybe you don't, so let me give you a little lesson. Jewish history is this. 2,000 years ago, if you grew up a Jewish male, you had one goal, and that was to be a rabbi, period, end of story. You wanted to be a rabbi. And to go to rabbi school meant this. From age 5 to age 10, you would go to a school called Betsefer, which meant the house of books. And what you would do is from age 5 to age 10, you would memorize the first five books of the Bible verse by verse. How many would have failed rabbi school right out of the gate? Okay, so then age 10 to age 15, it's called uh, Bet Talmud. That's a, it's Hebrew, it's a Hebrew word, and it actually means the house of study. From age 10 to age 15, you would have to memorize the entire Old Testament verse by verse. If you graduated there, you would move to the third and final phase, which was called Bet Midrash, which actually translated means the house of study uh, and uh, in the, house of, uh, the house of learning. And in the house of learning, okay, here's what would happen. You're 15 years old. You go to a rabbi. This is what happens. You go to a rabbi and you say, Rabbi, can I follow you? If the rabbi says yes, he's going to mentor you and you're in and you're going to become a rabbi yourself. You'll be his apprentice. But if he says no... You go back to your family's trade, fishing, farming, whatever your family's trade was. You go back to the family's trade. Now, fast forward a little bit. Peter, where was Jesus when he first met Peter? What was Peter doing? Anybody know the story? A few of you might know it. He was doing what? Why was he fishing? 
Because he failed rabbi school. It's the only reason you would be fishing. Every dream that Peter had was crushed. Everything he ever wanted to do was done. The only thing the dude wanted to do is like you want to be a doctor or a baseball player or write a book or whatever you want to do. Everything he wanted to do was crushed. He wanted to be a rabbi and that was it. And then there he is thinking I'm going to be a fisherman for the rest of my life because the rabbi, when I went to him and said, can I follow you? He said, no, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. And you said no. So he went back and he goes back to fishing until one day the ultimate rabbi comes to him and turns the tables on him. And instead of Peter having to say, can I follow you, the ultimate rabbi, Jesus, looks at him and says, you follow me. <laughs> you see, you know what I love about that story, man? Peter saw what he was. Jesus saw what he could be. Jesus sees what you could be. Whether you're five years old in here, 25 years old in here, or 85 years old in here, God is not done with you. When he's done with you, you'll be dead. But God's got a plan for your life and something special for you. Believe me, I know that. Because I grew up at 3481 Grant Street in a little teeny town called Home Gardens uh, in California. I was the token white child. And uh, it was a, not a very good area to grow up in, a horrible area to grow up in. But I'll never forget telling my dad, who didn't grow up in church, I went, got invited to a youth group. I was 16 years old. I gave my life to Christ. I looked at my dad and I said, someday, dad, I am going to speak. I'm going to speak at churches and businesses. I did earlier this week. I spoke for Verizon down in Tampa Bay at, a, at the Tampa Bay Stadium. And I, I said, someday, Dad, I am going to speak. I'm going to speak for Jesus. I'm going to speak in corporation. I'm going to speak, Dad. That's what I'm going to do. I'll never forget what my dad said. He looked at me and he said, you will never make it. You don't have what it takes. I'll never forget what that felt like. But here's the deal. I had a choice on that day. I was going to listen to my earthly father or I was going to listen to my heavenly father. I chose to listen to him. I don't know what people have said to you, done to you, or made you feel like. I don't know what it felt like when the spouse walked out on you. I don't know what it felt like when they betrayed you. I don't know what it felt like when you got fired by that job. I don't know what it felt like when you felt there was a point of failure in your life. But I understand this. This is what we look at and say what is. And Jesus looks at and says, but this is what could be. And it's time for you to dream again for your life. I don't care how old or young you are. It's time for you to dream. But see, Peter had to make a few choices. There were three major choices Peter had to make in his life because he still struggled with insecurity. He still struggled. Am I good enough? Am I talented enough? Am I? He kept struggling with it over and over. You see his insecurity when, he, when, the, when the guards came and took Jesus away and he comes and he pulls out and slices off one of the Roman guards' ears. If I was Jesus, I'd be like, I got this. I'm kind of Jesus here. I can handle this. But he's so insecure and he denies Jesus and, and he's just an insecure dude. But something changes in Peter's life. He goes from being this insecure, neurotic kind of disciple to a few years later, he becomes the pastor of the first local church and an author in the Bible. What changed for Peter? What Peter did is the same thing you and I can do. There's three things. Write them down. Number one is the word attitude. Say it out loud with me. What is it? Attitude. Okay, one more time. Everybody in the house, what is it? Attitude. attitude. First thing is the attitude. Peter began, if you watch the life of Peter, his attitude began to change. He went from feeling insecure to feeling strong. Do you know it was Jesus that changed his name? 
He said, your name used to be called Simon, but now you'd be called Peter. Do you know what Simon actually means? Pebble. Do you know what Peter, Peter actually means translated? Rock. Isn't that beautiful? He says, hey, buddy, you've always viewed yourself as a pebble, but I see you as a rock. That's the way Jesus sees you. Now, again, I don't care if you're 15 years old in here or 85 years old in here. That's how he sees you. And it comes down to attitude. Now, how many here would say you have a really positive attitude? Let me see. Come on. Five of you. Good. All right, this whole row. That's it. How many here have a negative? How many would say sometimes I can be negative? Come on, lift your hand up, be honest. Okay. How many know someone that's negative? Go like this, point at them, go ahead. There they are. Get them, Chris. How many have ever met anybody? Come on now. Have you ever met anybody that brings more joy when they exit the room than when they enter? You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, man, you got to leave? Goodbye. You know exactly who I'm talking about. We just got through the holidays. You had them at your house. Attitude. It's an adjustment inside of us. I believe it with all my heart. My wife and I, we've, uh, uh, we have two wonderful children. When they were about five and six years old, we live in Southern California. We live very close to Disneyland. We've been to Disneyland a thousand times. But we wanted, we wanted to take our little four and five-year-old. At that time, they were four and five years old. They had never been to Disneyland. So we took them to, we had about $14,000 in our account, and that's enough to get one ticket. And so we took them to Disneyland. We ride a bunch of rides, and we went by the haunted house. Now, if you've never been to Disneyland in California, the haunted house is a joke. It's not haunted. It's just like, it plays a little music. You know, Mickey's got one ear, and everybody freaks out. Um, but outside of that, you know, it's not like Donald's got a, you know, a big old knife. It's just a normal, it's nothing. It's nothing. I'm like, no, we can go on. And my wife's like, oh, the kids won't like it. They'll get all freaked out. No, they won't. So I take them on there. My wife waits outside for us. We're going through halfway through the ride. It's just all slow and everything's all, I think it's just hilarious. And my kids are screaming. Nah! You know? And I, I'm thinking, man, i got to be a leader in this moment. What do I do? So I looked at my kids and I said, this is what happens when you don't clean your room. No, I uh, um, got to teach them a lesson. So we get off the ride, and they're like, oh. my wife's like, I told you they weren't going to like it, you know. And, and uh, I said, well, okay, you know. And I said, what do you kids want? Cotton candy. So we had about $1,400 left. That was enough to get cotton candy. So we, we went up into the little stand, little free stand with the umbrella, and I went up, and I, I said to the lady, and I'm a pretty positive person. Some of you, how many shook my hand before the service started? Come on. A lot of you did because I went around and shook your hand. Now, how many would say that I'm a pretty positive person? I go up to this lady, and I said, how you doing? You know what she says to me? She goes, lousy. This is the lady working at Disneyland. I'm thinking in my mind, you're at the happiest place on earth, lady. I mean, how bad can it be? She goes, lousy. I'm just lousy. I'm like, okay. You know, and so... I said, well, at least you got, a, you got a job. She goes, I don't like it. I got a house to live in. I don't like my, my roommates. You got a car to drive? She goes, yeah, but it doesn't run good. And my kids at this time are just like, uh, can we go back on the haunted house? She's freaking me out, you know. But the thing I, felt, I just felt so sorry for her because it was all about her attitude. Let me tell you something, man. Your attitude's got to be, hey, I'm a child of the king. God's got a plan for my life. My attitude is that I'm a, I'm a child of God. You know, and you know what Matthew 7, 7 says? It says, ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. You know that word seek and you'll find? We all think it's about prayer. Some of that's about attitude. Think about it for a moment. Because whatever you seek, you'll find. Hey, if you're looking for the best in your marriage, you'll find it. If you're looking for the worst, you'll find it too. Because whatever you seek, you'll find. You're looking for the best at your job, you'll find it. You're looking for the worst at your job, you'll find it too. Because whatever you seek, you find. Hey, you're looking for the best at Summit Church, you'll find it. You're looking for the worst, you'll find it too. Because whatever you seek, you find. 
you're finding negative, it's because you're looking for negative. Whatever you seek, you find. Number two is the word belief. I think Peter's belief began to change. In Matthew, uh, in Matthew 14, you can just write this down, verse 24. You watch how his belief changes. Everything begins to change for Peter. I won't go there. You just write that down for a reference later because of time. I want to be, I want to be cautious of the time. But you go to Matthew chapter 14 and it sees how Peter's life begins to transition, how he's learning about his insecurity. You watch in Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, and 5 how Peter's life begins to change because he begins to believe. In what? He begins to believe. Oh, is that Peter on the phone? No, I'm just joking. Um, Peter! Let me know I got it wrong. Um, it's a belief thing. The belief part is where Peter begins to believe in himself. See, here's what has to change. You got to change your view. Not from how you see yourself, but from how God sees you. He doesn't do average. He doesn't make average. And he's not an average God. And he doesn't make you to be average. There's got to be something in you that begins to say, man, I believe in the God that created me. I am a child of the king. Hey, women in the house. Where's all the women in the house? Go. That was just absolutely pathetic, but that's okay. <laughs> women in the house, let me tell you something. You are a daughter of the prince of peace. Your daughter. Walk outside and see the beauty that's around you and realize this. The one who created all that, that's your dad. Oh, it's awesome. All the men in the house, guess what? I won't even get you to cheer because that would be pointless. But um, let me tell you something about you men. You are a son of the Alpha and the Omega. Watch out, walk outside at night and look at all the stars and say, the one who created all that, I'm his kid. And I walk in that confidence. I walk in that assurance that I have a belief, not in who I am, but in who I belong to. Attitude and belief. Believe me, I had to have that. I couldn't view myself the way my dad viewed me. I had to view myself the way God viewed me. And begin to see myself the way God saw me. That I could write books. And that I could speak. And that I could make a difference. And I could start a church. And I could do those things. From a, and I had to switch and see the belief of what God saw inside of me. Matthew 9, verse 29. You might want to write that down. Here's what Jesus said. It's one of my favorite verses. He says, according to your faith, I will do it for you. Now, did you guys catch that? Do you know what that means? That's called a blank check. Here's what it means. According to your faith, I'll do it for you. Watch, watch. If your faith is down here, that's where I'll meet you. If your faith is right here, then I'll meet you there. It don't matter to me. You let me know where you want me to meet you. Do you think this is all I'm going to do in your life? According to your faith, I'll do that for you. According to your faith, I'll do that for you. You get to decide what you want. You in here, there are people in here, there are ministry ideas that you still are sitting on. There are business ideas that could finance this church. There are book ideas that could change the world. And you got to decide today that you're going to rob the grave of those things. I've always said that the most expensive land in the world isn't the gold mines of Saudi Arabia or the oil fields of Iraq. I tell you, the richest plot of land in the world is the graveyard. Because underneath those little stones 
are millions and millions and millions of ideas that never took fruition, books that never got written, songs that never got sung, businesses and ideas that could have changed the world, but they lay there underneath, buried. Today, you gotta decide, I'm gonna rob the grave. It is not going to get my idea. It is not gonna get my book. It is not gonna get my ministry that could have changed the world. It is not gonna get my impact that I could have had on my neighbors. Not going to happen. Attitude and belief. Attitude and belief. The belief's gotta come up. You know, I went to, uh, I uh, went to McDonald's one time. Well, not one time. I've been to McDonald's a few times. Um, and who hasn't, you know? Uh, but I went there, and uh, I'll never forget, I walked in, and I don't know what happened up to that point, but here's what, here's what went down. I walked in to McDonald's, and there was a businessman standing there. It was in the middle of the day. I was going to speak that night in another town, another state or something, and this man is standing right there in a business, and I have no idea what was going on. All I know is the girl behind the counter, her name was Jennifer. You know, she had a little name tag, and he's standing right there. And all I, all I heard him say was, I walked up, I didn't know what he said, what was going on, but all I heard him say was this, you are so incompetent. He's telling the little 17-year-old girl behind the counter at McDonald's, you are so incompetent. Why can't you get anything right? I wanted a large, not a medium. Don't you listen? And this poor girl behind the counter, she's just crying, you know. He gets done, gives her the money. He walks away. I trip him. Stupid. Uh, I didn't do that. I wanted to. In my heart, I did. I, in the name of Jesus, though, that's the most important thing. Um, so he walks away, and I go up, and she's behind the counter like this. She's behind the counter like this. She says, <laughs> she's just crying, and I go, how you doing? And she goes, welcome to McDonald's. Do you want a happy meal? You know, she's crying. And I'm like, oh, man. I go, Jennifer, I go, you are doing such a great job. McDonald's is so lucky to have you. The manager was walking by. I leaned over. I tapped him on the shoulder. I said, did you hire Jennifer? The best part was he didn't, he had this look on his face like, I don't know if I should claim her or not. Uh, she just came in, started pushing buttons. I said, did you hire her? He said, oh, yeah, I hired her. And I, oh, my God, I could travel all over the world. I go, this is the best McDonald's employee I'd ever seen. Oh, my gosh. She was behind the counter. She's tapping buttons. She's smiling. Tears are drying up. I got a free fry. Things were happening. But it all changed, not because I did anything special. I didn't do anything special. The only thing I really altered was a little bit of her belief that she began to believe in herself. Attitude, belief, and what's the third one? Courage. Say it out loud with me. What's the word? Courage. This is the courage that Peter had to have to step out on the boat. The courage to write the very first book that he ever wrote. A couple of them he wrote in the Bible. The courage to become the first pastor of the first local church ever created. Peter had to have courage, and so do you. God wants to do something in you. You know what he wants to do in you? He wants to reawaken the dreams inside of you. You were created for greatness. You were created to win. Every single one of you were created to win. That's what God wants to do in you today. Don't settle. Don't ever settle. That's what the enemy would want you to do. You weren't created to be average. But let me tell you, that's what God wants to do in you. But let me tell you what he wants to do through you. It's feed one. You guys last year did an amazing job by 
for this last year, you, this church, took care of 300 children. Is that an amazing thing or what? Come on, let's give God a hand for that. that that's an amazing thing. Let me tell you something. I am not a missionary. I am a pastor just like your pastor. And let me tell you, several years ago, we got involved. Feed One is an initiative of Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope started 20 years ago when a guy named Hal Donaldson started feeding people at a park, and it grew and it grew and it grew. And now they do disaster relief, city outreaches, and they currently, are you ready for this one, feed 147,000 children every day in 11 different countries. That's an amazing thing. And you guys have been a part of that. And today we have an opportunity for some of you that are not a part of it to become a part of that, to maybe get this up to 400 children. And you might say, well, does it really make a difference? Stephanie's been there. I've been there. It makes a difference. We know exactly what it looks like in Haiti and all these places. And even here in the United States for the disaster relief that we do. But let me tell you something. $10 a month, and I'm not a missionary, and I got no problem telling you this. $10 a month, actually it's nine sixty-seven to be exact, feeds a child, gives them water, education, and a chance to hear about Jesus. It makes a difference in people's lives. I met a girl that comes from a family with a bunch of kids in one of the countries that we feed. And uh, on a Sunday night, she overheard her parents talking about um, having to sell one of the children to sex trafficking so that they could feed the other children. And she was the one that was selected. And the next morning, she went to school. They didn't say anything to her. She went to school. And it was that morning, because of a church in America like you, that morning, a truck showed up and started feeding them on that day. She went home with some food and said, Mom, Dad, they're gonna start feeding us. It changed her life. It rescued her. There's another girl that our church was a part of. Her name is Kate. And eight years ago, we started feeding her. And we went back with a camera, and we wanted to see after eight years, what does $10 a month do? And I wanna show you this girl named Kate the little two-minute video, and what, how her life was changed by a simple $10 a month. This is one story of 147,000. It's real. It's not some distant thing. It's real, it's authentic, and it changes people's lives. And let me tell you something. It is not about you feeling guilty. I am not into guilt. We live in America in the best country in the world. Don't you agree? We live in America and we are rich beyond unbelievable. If you have $8 in your account, you're in the top 3% of the world's wealthiest. We are rich beyond imagination. And I'm not about feeling guilty. I love what God's given me. I love where I live. So it's not about guilt, but it is about responsibility. I am responsible to take care of some of his children. This is one of 147,000 stories that a simple $10 a month does. Let's take a look at the story of a girl named Kate. Yes, sometimes I go to bed, I have no food in my stomach. If I don't have enough food, I, I can't concentrate in my study and 
I can't understand what my teacher was saying to me. Thank you because the food that they give to us will will not be will not be wasted. as a sponsor of our church for me to continue my study have my meal <laughs> sometimes before i'm thinking that we're the the most <laughs> poor people in the world but as i'm uh, looking around uh, here at our community i saw a lot of people they were more poor than us. Studying hard now um, for my future and someday I promise to myself I'm going to help them, help, help my community here, our community and our church that and I will I'll someday become the sponsor of our church. Like you guys. I do not know how you can watch that with a dry eye. Like, you know, one of the one of the things we see here that I love is that she's been rescued and that she says, it's not enough for me just to receive and for me to get, but she said, I recognize there's need around us as well. And she recognizes that rescued people have a responsibility to rescue people. And, and One of the things that Chris said that resonated with me was he talked about responsibility. And this is something we've talked about as a church some. But as our church has grown, I've had people say things to me like, man, it's so incredible what God's doing at your church. And I, I try to reiterate the fact to them that God hasn't grown our church just so we could have a big church. God has grown our church because he's giving us a responsibility to be a resource to our community, to be a resource to other churches, to bless other ministries. Uh, he's not just blessing us so we can pat ourselves on the back. He's blessing us so that we can in turn be a blessing. So we have a responsibility that comes with what God is doing here to do something to reach people, to see every life made different in our world. So when Chris talks about Feed One and the responsibility we have to be a part of this, it's exciting for me to think, we can make a difference. We're not just putting on a show. We're not just going through the motions, but we have the opportunity to make a tangible difference in kids' lives. And I truly believe as we feed children in Cabaret, Haiti, 
it's going to not just change them, but it's going to give them a future. And, and their future is going to be translated into changing their culture. And I believe ultimately it's going to change a nation because of what we're doing right here, right now, today. So I, I just want to ask you if you would, grab the card. Uh, there's an envelope like this one uh, on your seat back or near your seat. Uh, if you would pick this envelope up, sitting on top was a, a flyer, and it's got information about Feed One, if partners, or it's, in, it's a ministry of Convoy of Hope. Uh, Convoy is, is an incredible ministry, does incredible things, but what they did with Feed One is they said, how about if we partner churches with villages and give them the responsibility for these places? And that's what Feed One does. And so that gives you all the information on that flyer, what it does, what it's about, all those kind of things. If you would, though, pull the card out of the envelope that's there. And I want to walk you through this. If you would, go ahead and bring the house lights up, Carly. All the house lights all the way up, okay? There you go. Keep coming. Keep coming all the way. If you would, you pull out this card. And it says at the top, I want to give monthly. And you can choose an amount. And like Chris said, um, $10 will pay for one child to receive food, clean drinking water, and education, an opportunity to hear about Jesus. Uh, last year when we did this, um, I felt comfortable that we were going to do a child. <laughs> and then I found out later we did four. And I was like, babe, come on now. And she said, what? And I'm like, okay. And you know what? At the end of the year, I, we didn't feel the difference. I, was, I didn't, that $40 a month didn't make any difference at all to us. And so I feel confident we're going to pick up some more kids today. Um, so take a look at that and just ask yourself, God, how do you want me to be involved? Maybe you'll pray about this. If you've got two kids of your own, maybe you'll support two kids in another nation in Haiti. Um, but whatever it is, feel free to, to just pray about that. Ask God, what do you want me to do? Right underneath that, it says, I'm new or update my information. So understand this. We still have a whole bunch of people in this church that are still ongoing on an ongoing basis supporting what we're doing there. So if, if you're not going to change anything, that's okay. But I would love for you to say, hey, I want to I pick up another child or two more children. So if you are already supporting two or three or four already, but you say, hey, I want to pick up a couple more, what you'll do is you'll say, update my information, and then you'll add... $20. So what will happen is instead of the 40 now it will be $60 a month. So you don't have to put the kids you were already supporting on there. You just put on there what you want to add to what you're already doing. If you're new, then just check. I'm new. So then on the left-hand side, it's got your personal information. You fill this out. Uh, please fill it out in its entirety uh, so that they can process that. And then on the right-hand side, you've got two ways that you can do this. Now understand when you fill this out, this is, this is uh, a commitment on an ongoing basis. This will be a recurring commitment on a monthly basis. So once a month, your credit card or your bank account uh, will be debited uh, for the amount that you select. So this will be an ongoing thing. So on the top part, you can fill out your credit card information. Please fill it out, like I said, in its entirety. Uh, you'll put your expiration date on there. And maybe you're here and your expiration date changed. Uh, fill one of these cards out. Get back online. Let's get connected with supporting these kids again. So fill that information out. Sign it. Date it there. At the bottom, uh, it's got the banking information. So if you'd prefer for it to come out of a savings or checking account, you can do that as well. Fill that information out. If you're not sure which number on your check is your routing number or your account number, that's okay. I'm a doofus. I don't remember that either. So ask your wife and she can tell you. She's smarter than you are. So um, fill that out there. And then... 
obviously you've got to sign it, but then at the bottom, there's a perforated portion here, and you can put on there as a reminder, I'm giving, and then whatever your amount is, uh, fill that in, and then take off that perforated portion so you can just have that as a reminder of what you did, and, and when a month from now, when you're like, wait, how many kids did I sponsor? What am I doing a month? You can take a look at that. So then what you do is you take this card, you put it back in the envelope, and you seal it. I'm not going to see this. We're not going to open them up and take a look at them because what's going to happen is tomorrow morning we're going to take all of the envelopes, the hundreds of envelopes we, that we get, we're going to put them in one big envelope, send it to Feed One. They're going to receive it and they're going to process it. So when they process this information, they're going to pull them out of the envelopes. They're going to enter the data into an encrypted system. It's totally safe and secure. And then they shred these cards. So they're not going to keep these on file. They're not going to do anything like that. So your information is safe and secure. Um, they're, they're not going to have to be doing things with this stuff. So please understand, this is a really, really safe way to do this. So fill this information out, drop it in the envelope. In just a moment, our worship team is going to begin leading us in worship. Uh, Steph McCoy is our missions director. She'll be right down here. I'll be right over here. And then Pastor Dick is up in the balcony. And we're here to collect these envelopes. So we're going to begin to, to sing together and worship together. And as we do, when you get finished with your card, simply sit, slip out from your seat and find one of us and give us your card. And, uh, and we're going to get that taken care of. Now I want to say one more thing. If you're here today and, um, and you want to receive prayer for any reason, our prayer team is going to be available following the service. When we're finished with our worship experience, our prayer team is going to be on either side of the stage. If you're here today and you want to make a decision for Jesus, you want to follow him and make him Lord of your life, we want to give you that opportunity. Our prayer team is here following this experience. We want you to connect with them. We want to take, help you take the next step to make him Lord of your life. So we want to do that. If you're watching online and you're thinking, I can't fill out one of these cards, it's really simple. Simply go to feedone.com slash donate. And you can uh, donate online. You can set up recurring giving as well with your credit card, PayPal, whatever it might be. We would love for you to do that. So please participate. No matter where you are, whether you're local or around the world, you can be part of feeding kids in Cabaret Haiti. And we want you to be a part of that. So let's pray over this. And then we're going to worship together. And then we'll be done in just a moment. Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing. And God, this is not just simply a financial commitment. But God, this is seed that's being the planted in good soil. And Lord, we believe that we're going to see a harvest from it. We believe that we're going to